Oh, hey, can we please talk about UFC 270 and what's been going on in the news? Where the hell is Dana White? All that business is all going to be coming up on the Burt Locker. If you, if you haven't seen this before, in a nutshell, this is my midweek wrap-up show where I quickly wrap up all of my terrible bets from the weekend and they are usually terrible, which is what is so funny about them. And I also kind of recap some of the fights, give you my take on it, have a look forward to maybe some, some next fights in the future and have a look at what's been going on in the news. So let's get down to it for the Burt Locker episode 103. Holy shit, I am plowing through these things. But uh, yeah, the, the, the real question is, where is Dana? Am I right? <laughs> Let's recap Ngannou versus Gunn. Obviously, there were there were some standout performances on on the on the night. Um, I did actually have a single bet on Saeed Nurmagomedov by um, by submission, but it was in with a last minute accumulator that I put on on my PokerStars account, which didn't come anywhere near to coming off. But my main bets this week were all on the main event, and you know what? In high, a lot of people are saying that it was a boring fight. Well, only in hindsight, only if you know the result, because there was real tension there the whole way through that fight, because you know that basically like Nganu can, not, can switch out somebody's lights any second. And, you know, Gunn is also you know, is a very good striker. And, you, and you're thinking, like, how long is it going to take before Gunn kind of picks up the pace and really puts one on Nganu to really kind of get him out there? So, I mean, obviously ended up going to a decision... Uh, in favour of Francis Ngannou, I mean, the odds on that were astronomical, honestly. It was one of literally the only outcomes that I didn't even consider, right? That's, uh, that, and that is the nature of mixed martial arts, isn't it? It's like, it is so difficult to predict. Honestly, honestly, how many of you out there thought, yeah, like Ngannou will obviously win a decision in this one? Do you know what I mean? Uh, there will be one or two of you that maybe kind of had a gamble on it, but... Who legitimately thought that was going to happen? Come on, show of hands. It's, it's not many of you. So it just goes to show the unpredictable nature of the sport. And yeah, it's a, it's a bit kind of... Um, yeah, it's, it's like... In a way, it's what makes that fight interesting because it's the first... I think it's the first decision and Garni's ever won. I think he's either lost a decision or knocked people out or got on a submission. I think he got one Kimura, didn't he, over Curtis Blades. But anyway... It was an interesting fight because, look, Cyril Garn looked sensational in rounds one and two. Well, I say sensational, right? It let, he looked good in rounds one and two. And it looked like he was cruising towards what I personally thought was going to happen, which was you know, a late round stoppage uh, in rounds four and five. That was mainly what I had my money on. I did have Nganu to win by knockout in round two because I thought, you know, if he's going to get the knockout, he was going to find it in round two. But... Yeah, so, look, a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, the first thing I want to address is obviously, look, uh, obviously Nganu, he had all those things with, uh, with with the contracts, everything like that. And a lot of people are now saying, well, you know, Nganu's just like, just beaten soundly, uh, you know, Cyril Kerr. It's like, mm, was it a sound beating though? I don't, th I don't think it was. Honestly, I think really what happened is that Cyril Garn lost the fight he made an unforced error 
which cost him the fight. Now, here's why I think that. And I'm not taking anything away from Francis Ngannou. I'm really not. All I'm saying is that it was 2-2 going into that fifth round, right? Two of the judges' scorecards had it that way anyway. So it would have been a majority decision for whoever won the fifth round. The fifth round was won by Francis because he managed to get top control because... Cyril Gunn gave up top control by going for a heel hook, which is a very low percentage, high risk move because you are giving up position, which is a big no-no, especially with a big lump like Francis Ngannou. Because the thing is, Gunn had him on his back, had him in side control, had his shoulders pinned to the mat. Gunn should have been attacking from the top. He should never have even considered going for a heel hook. I bet he's looking back at that now, just like... Oh, God, in hindsight, what was I doing? Because the thing is, he had Nganu accepting that position. And had he kept him in that position, which is likely, if he hadn't have just rolled for that heel hook, like, the, like Nganu didn't really have any way of getting out of that. He didn't have any way up other than stalling to have the referee kind of stand up. And I think that Gunn, uh, the Gunn could have realistically done enough to keep the ref from doing that. So had he done that, he'd be the champion right now. He'd have won a split decision because one judge did have it 49-46 to Nganu in the end, which I don't agree with, but I can see how they got there. The first round was relatively close. So I can see how they scored it that way. Do I agree? No, I thought it was right on the other two judges' scorecards in that it was 2-2 going into the fifth and Ngani won that fifth round because fair play to him. He capitalised on that mistake from Cyril Gunn. And you know what? He didn't tap to that heel hook. Like it it, there was a second, a split second where I thought, oh, is he got it? And then I looked at the actual angle of it. I was like, ah, no, he's not got, he hasn't, he, he just didn't have the angle. And I've got to be honest, I was jumping out of my seat because I had uh, Cyril Gunn to get the submission in round five at 67 to one. So I'd have been very, very happy had Cyril Gunn found that heel hook submission. And, and he does have heel hooks. He, he's, he scored a heel hook either in the UFC or in the promotion before, but he, he has scored a heel hook on his, um, on his record, which is why I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised to see him going for it, but I was surprised to see him give up top position because, I mean, Ngani was trying to get to, uh, like, out of the, um, the bottom position, but, like, Gan could have easily have just pushed him back down and pushed him back down and kind of dominated from the top position, but he didn't. He he gave up the position to try and be slick and roll to a heel hook as Ngannou was getting up, and it just didn't work. And you know what? Hindsight is wonderful. Had that have worked, and had he gotten that heel hook submission, we'd all be praising like Garn for his slick, like you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and, and a wicked heel hook. But as I said, it's a very low percentage move to go for. You have to really get it. And he, and he just didn't, and, and it gave up that top position. And that's the main reason that Nganu won the fight. And so I, I don't see it as kind of like a super impressive victory. I, I am impressed that he managed to kind of hold enough energy to be able to like kind of stay on top of Garn in that last round. But I, I do think that they'll run it back in the future. I don't know if it will go down exactly the same way, but end of the day, Fair play to Francis Ngannou. You are still the champion. And he is. He's a good champion because he's huge and he's just got the right look. And, uh, you know, well, I, I really think they should run it back with Derek Lewis next. I don't know about anyone else. I mean, if Ngannou is fighting at all, that is, because obviously there has been a lot to, to make about that. Now, 
the other thing that, that got mentioned a lot was obviously Nganu had uh, knee straps on. He, apparently, he'd hurt his knee. Now, thing is, I always take this with a pinch of salt because when you hear it from Nganu and his coaches, he completely tore off the bone his MCL. I don't think I don't think he did. I think that he's pro it's very possible he had a partial MCL tear, right? You can still operate fairly well on a partial tear because it, it like a partial tear. I mean, I've had a partial tear and it's like and yeah, and no, it is uncomfortable, but you can still do things. You can still kind of operate as long as you strap it up. I don't believe that he tore it off the bone because he wouldn't have been able to walk because it's not a question of toughness. It's not a question of, oh, I'm so tough, I tore my MCL off the bone and kept going. No, you physically will not be able to walk. It's like, you, if your ligament is gone, there's nothing attaching your knee, you're certainly not going into a fucking UFC fight. Partial tear, yes. Complete tear, I'm saying probably not. I do call bullshit on that. I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't have an injury, like, but... Every fighter has and no fighters go in there a hundred percent. Join there, and a partial tear is not as bad as you think it is. It's not as bad as it sounds. So, but like, I don't think that he tore his MCL off the bone like a week out of this fight because honestly, he wouldn't have been like you wouldn't be walking. And it's not a question of oh, but he's just so tough. It, toughness doesn't come into it. If you have ripped your fucking muscle and ligament off the bone, you're not fucking walking. That's just it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's physiology. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, so but fair play to him. Well done, Francis. So that leaves the question, where was Dana White? So Dana White was at the event. He did put the belt on uh, Figueredo, who uh, won his fight. Very close fight, that one as well. Lots of people were kind of upset about it. But you know what? It was close enough that I didn't really think that um, either side had any reason to kind of have a beef if it didn't go their way. And that was how I saw it. So where was Dana White? Now, I haven't seen any explanation of the absence, but I do find it a bit odd because I have seen Dana White have much bigger beefs with fighters than he's had with Francis Ngannou and he still put the belt on and he still went to the press conference, right? So I don't, I, honestly, I don't think that Dana White is as sensitive as to do that. I really don't. Look, a lot of people are assuming that that's what happened. Maybe he had something important like that came up. Maybe he had an emergency to attend to. We, we, don't, we haven't actually seen any reasons for that i mean it's very fun for people to all jump to the conclusion oh he's just pissed because he didn't like he didn't want francis to win like, i think he probably wanted francis to win he doesn't care who wins he's making money either way right and francis can grumble about his contract all he likes he signed it and now he has to either sit out and make zero money for the next year and then go and fight Tyson Fury or he can take one of the uh, several offers that the UFC have been making him. Uh, I don't know if the UFC are going to be willing to put the boxing clause into his contract because let's be fair here, right? What the UFC, they got an awful lot out of the fight with the, the boxing match between McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. But realistically, who else was there for Floyd Mayweather to fight? Other than, other than the Manny Pacquiao rematch, it was the fight that made the most sense for Floyd Mayweather because it, no other fight was getting more eyes than Floyd Mayweather versus McGregor, right? And Dana White and the, and the Fratitas, they knew that. They absolutely knew that. They knew how much revenue that, that would do. And that's why 
they amended and agreed a new contract with Conor McGregor and they took like 50% of Conor McGregor's purse. Remember that. But if they're going to do the same kind of deal with Ngannou, it really has to be worth it. They have to have, it has to be a big enough purse for them to be like, yeah, that's worth us taking. It's worth us risking our brand by putting our heavyweight champion in with somebody who is going to fustigate him. Right. Because the thing is, right, it was like there were at least a couple of things going in McGregor's favor. Like when they, when he fought Floyd Mayweather, nobody really expected like McGregor to beat Floyd Mayweather. But there were all these questions. McGregor's a much bigger guy, for instance. McGregor's like, you know, he's he's much bigger. He's much younger. Right. He is much, much younger. And um, and Floyd Mayweather is like 40, you know, 40 plus, And he's. And there was all those questions. Has Floyd Mayweather lost a step? Has he lost enough of a step for McGregor to take advantage? You know, McGregor's bigger. He's stronger. He's more powerful. He's going to weigh much more on the night. Is he going to be able to use that to his advantage? There is none of that with Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. Tyson Fury is bigger. He is boxing levels, leagues ahead of Francis Ngannou. It would not be a close fight. Tyson Fury is younger than Francis Ngannou. Tyson Fury is younger than Conor McGregor. He's not an old guy. He's, what, 33? Something like that? So you've got none of those kind of questions of, oh, what if? The only thing that you have is that Francis Ngannou does have ridiculous power. But we've seen Tyson Fury fight Deontay Wilder, who has as much punching power as Francis Ngannou, maybe more, in a boxing ring. And... Fury has beaten him twice in a row now, right? And Deontay Wilder, in boxing terms, is leagues ahead of Francis Ngannou. It's not even close. So there are no question marks going into that fight. So the fight is just not as enticing. Francis Ngannou, right, is not a pop culture figure like McGregor was when he went to fight Floyd Mayweather. He's just not there. Right. You asked at the time when McGregor was looking to fight Floyd Mayweather. If you asked 10 people walking down the street, who is Conor McGregor? At least seven of them would say, oh, that Irish cage fighting guy that I've seen on all those magazines. And, you know, because he had this personality that transcended mixed martial arts. Right. Francis Ngannou doesn't have that. At least not yet. If you, right now, if people are overestimating how popular Francis Ngannou is, right? Of course, us MMA fans know who Francis Ngannou is. We're MMA fans, right? You ask 10 regular folk walking down the street, who is Francis Ngannou? And unless they watch mixed martial arts, you will get a blank expression and a who? Who? What? What are you talking about? And that is why... The purses will not be as big for Francis versus Tyson Fury, as, as big as they were for McGregor versus Mayweather. Maybe, like, like Ngannou could make, you know, more money than, uh, than a year's work in the UFC. But let's be fair, Johnny, he, it, like, if they were, they are offering him new contracts, I don't know what's, what's on those new contracts, but he's on like 600,000 to fight now. He's pro, like, as the heavyweight champion, they're probably looking at more. And also he's getting pay-per-view points as well. So he must be clearing a million a fight. Like he must be clearing a million a fight. So look, let's say he fights three times, he has three million in there 
and uh, yeah, and and that is guaranteed. But and also, he's going to be furthering his brand even more if he goes to fight Tyson Fury. I don't know what the purses would be because look, the 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 clout like the. The interest in that fight, for me, it's just not there. Not like it was with McGregor versus Floyd. It just isn't. So what makes people think that that fight is going to draw loads of pay-per-view numbers? It, it probably isn't, is the answer. And that is why the UFC are reluctant to give Francis his boxing claws in his contract. Because, quite frankly, he's going to get fustigated. If he fights Tyson Fury in a boxing match, he's going to get fustigated. There is no two ways about it they're just it's it's not even going to be close and that's the heavyweight champion of your brand that you've got there right and it's not like there are any avenues to say well what if he does this well yeah okay if he if he swings big and connects maybe maybe he could knock fury out but i doubt it if fury can take deontay wilder's best and avoid most of those punches as well he's avoiding francis and who's swinging wild haymakers not being funny it's just, you know, it, it would be extremely unlikely for that to happen. And Dana White knows this, right? And also, the UFC, they don't like, because they got 50% of Connor's purse. That's $50 million. And they got, like, a bunch of extra stuff as well. They're not getting that from a fight between Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury. It's just not financially worthwhile. And that is why they're resistant to it. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 for the good of the brand. And if Tyson and if Francis Ngannou wants to sit out for a year and not make any money for a year, right? Just to, just so that he can go and box Tyson Fury, then fair play to him. Maybe he makes a load of money and he can just retire off of that because it'll only be one fight because people won't pay for a second. And, there, and there's going to be very little interest in the first one, quite frankly. And that's if the fight even happens, right? The fight may not even ever materialise. Tyson Fury might get bored of the idea. He might be like, no, no, no. I've got legitimate boxing challenges to, to go for here, mate. Like, I've, we've decided to do the AJ... Um, to do the AJ versus Fury fight. That's going to be making 10 times the amount of any fight between us two. So sorry, champ, but you've just sat out of the UFC for a year for nothing. Sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, we didn't have any contracts in place, so nothing you can do about it. And then he'll be like, oh, shit, well... And he's already said that he's running out of money because he seems to spend it faster than he can make it. Even though he is on millions, do you know what I mean? Like, this is why I think the whole pay debate is fucking retarded. You, you, you're literally saying, oh, this millionaire's not paying this other millionaire enough. Anyway, like Tyson Fury clearly has a budgeting problem because he can't keep his money long enough to make it last. And how's he, so how is he going to sit out for a year and not make anything? And then... Like, after a year, he doesn't box Tyson Fury. Who is he? He's out of contract with the UFC. He has to take whatever contract the UFC give him. I think he's actually making a terrible decision here, honestly. Like, he could be making a lot of money in the UFC. Like, apparently they've tried to reach out. They've tried to offer him more money. I don't know how much more, but he's going to be... He says that he, no, he's, he's doing the John Jones thing. He wants, like, 30 million a fight. It's like, well, you're not getting that from the UFC because that's not where their business is at yet. And people say, oh, no, but they should be paying their fights more. It's criminal that he's only on 600,000 fight. Is it? Is it criminal? Because the thing is, you don't know, do you? I'm not saying that they are underpaid or or if, or maybe they, maybe they are underpaid. Maybe they're not. We don't know, right? 
but how much does it cost to put on the UFC event? How much does it cost to run the fucking Performance Institute, which all the fighters can use free of charge, by the way? Do you know what I mean? How, how much does it cost to, to do all the promotion, to invest in growth? Because, look, people will seem to overestimate the popularity of the UFC, right? Mixed martial arts is such a young sport, right? The UFC has been on ESPN for a year. Boxing has been on ESPN for 50 years. Do you know what I mean? That's the difference. And to try and pretend that the that MMA is on the same level as boxing, it's, it's ridiculous. It's night and day, the kind of appeal, that the broad appeal that those things have. The MMA is still, by comparison, a fringe sport. And people are trying to say that they should be paying out, like, you know, 10 million to each fighter in the main event. They, they won't make any money. Do you know what I mean? Their, their profit and loss system probably doesn't allow for that. Because you've got to look at what it costs to keep the UFC going, to keep them growing so that they can reach the those heights one day and then you've got to think about WMI how much is that loan that they're paying back 4.1 billion dollars right how much how much are the monthly repayments on that no one ever takes that into account Joe you know I mean? so maybe the fight I think it's far more likely that the fighters are paid accordingly rather than badly but again I'm not going to make an attestation either way because we just don't have the info and yeah honestly I just think that Ngani's sitting out for a year I don't think that's a smart move, considering how quickly he blasts through his money. I don't think he'll last a year, honestly. I mean, it's like he's barely lasted this year, apparently. So how is he going to have one fight and then in a year and then go, oh, I'm going to sit out for a year? Are you? Are you going to? You got enough save for that, mate? Because you said you were running out of money. Is it, those were your words, not mine. It's, I don't know. I think he's got some people around him that are giving him some shitty advice, honestly. And, uh, yeah, because Ngannou says that he's 7 million down after turning down con new contract offers from the UFC. Yeah, no, it's, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, Jake Paul has obviously invested in Endeavour to try and fix fighter pay. Look, fact of the matter is, Jake Paul wants to fix, you know, the money in con combat sports so much. Why doesn't he do something like this in boxing? He loves boxing so much. Why doesn't he do it in that, right? Because there are plenty of problems with the pay scale in boxing. Like a handful of boxers make millions and millions of dollars, and that's at the expense of all the all the undercards, all the undercard fighters, all the piss ants that you never hear about, right? Still taking all that brain damage, all those concussions. Join that they're never making like they're they're making less than two grand a fight a lot of the time. You know what I mean? And and you want to complain about the UFC paying a minimum of ten thousand? Like the lowest paid fighters in the UFC get paid $10,000. That is leagues ahead of where the, the equivalent level boxers are at, right? So maybe there's a problem in how the wealth is distributed in boxing. Maybe Jake Paul should do something about that. But he's not going to do that because, let's face it, that wouldn't be a fun troll job for Dana White. The, the main reason he's doing this, okay, hopefully a byproduct of it is that maybe the fighters get paid more. But... Make no mistake about it, Jake Paul is doing this to troll Dana White. And I love it because I love the commitment to the troll. Do you know what I mean? Especially as an expensive one such as that because it must have cost a pretty penny to buy a big chunk of that investment. So anyway, we've got Troll of the Week. Uh, this one is, uh, yeah, basically you've got um, comparing the different kind of drugs, uh, the, the, the effects that drugs have on people's eyes. So... Basically, you've got you've got cocaine there, 
which is like the big nice wide people so because big old big old eyes you got the marijuana which they should have done that more red to be fair for effect but then you got beer and then you've got mma and it's got michael bisping taking out his own eye good stuff oh, i like that one it's good and then we've got um MMA fans, uh, yeah, this one was off Reddit, actually. Where where have I put it? I did say it. There it is. It's all right. You can tell I've prepared very well for this, haven't you? Jesus Christ. So you've got MMA fans when the most powerful man in the sport knocks out someone in one punch. Sitting there nonplussed. MMA fans when he is able to lift a man who is lighter than him up in the air. Poof! Well, do a spit take. It's like, yeah, no, it was a good slam, though. It was a good slam. I think, um, uh, I think was it DC compared it to Big Van Vader. I think he did. And then, uh, what is the last one? Last word is, have you seen Dana White? Oh, yeah, it's like a wanted poster. Here we go, yeah. So you got missing. Uh, have you seen this man? Name Dana White. Colour? Pinkish. And lastly, location? UFC 270. Because uh, obviously he, he didn't make the presser and he disappeared before he could put the belt onto Francis Ngannou. So that is it for this week unfortunately there are no fights this week to go through to um again we've got a week with no event but the next one 6th of february happy birthday to me by the way it's on the 6th and we we get sean strickland versus jack hermanson that is an absolutely fantastic fight but it better be because there are no fights confirmed on that card at all other than that main event yet. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what gets announced for that later on uh, in this week and next. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll be able to have a look at uh, what different fights are announced on that this time next week. And until then, you know, keep all those odds long and those bets terrible.